Marco, Polo. Okay. I never understood that. Me either. What does that mean? Apparently there's two guys that, what do they call those adventures back in the olden days? Lewis and Clark and Marco and Polo and Christopher Robbins, but not Christopher Robbins. You're so funny. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Okay, let's do this thing. (laughs) Hey, Lean. Hi. It's just me and Lean, which I'm super Mm -hmm. excited about. And our producer, Chloe. She owns our lives. Save (laughs) us. (laughs) By the way, I'm Hajit. Should I be saying that? (laughs) So, Lean, remember when we were in our first rotation? I actually had electives first. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember that. So I actually started with psychiatry on the consult service. And what that means is basically if there's any concern that psychiatrists could address, the doctor on the floor or in the ICU or in the ER usually will put in an order like, could someone come consult on this case? Because you all are experts in this field. So it would be great to get your input. Along with that service, one thing that we commonly would um, see is patients that um, were in the ICU, ER, or the floor because they attempted suicide. So we would have to do a suicide risk assessment. And um, the very first patient that I saw, again, I'm a, you know, first first day of my third year. I'm like, okay, what am I going to see? So I went into this patient's room and because it was my first day, I was observing. So I wasn't the one who was doing the suicide risk assessment. I remember I was just standing in the corner and the physician was doing most of the talking. In that moment, I was like, "Okay, I don't know how to deal with this. I haven't learned anything. Like, I don't know how this sounds like, how this looks like. And he jumps right in and starts asking very specific questions. What happened? Like, what was your motivation? Can you walk me through the day? Questions that I thought were very blunt. You know, I was kind of taken aback. We're talking about every specific detail, things that you wouldn't think about asking somebody. And is that okay? The reason why this experience really stuck with me is because I, more than what the physician was asking, I was um, connecting to what the patient was saying. I remember when I was listening to the patient, I was just thinking a lot of the things he was saying of why he felt like he was in the position that he was were things that I had verbalized in my life many years ago. But my path is completely different. I think the biggest feeling I had in that moment is I was really connecting with that patient. And there was a point where I was even getting emotional. I didn't externalize it. But I was feeling all that inside me. And there were times where I was like, is this clouding my judgment of what I would do for this patient? How do we separate ourselves from our patients when we care for them? Is it necessary, first of all, to separate ourselves? Second, is there ever a time you can completely separate yourself from your patient? So I actually think about this a lot. And, you know, as a medical student, When you're working with a team, you know, we're trying so hard to kind of move with the flow of the team or the dynamic of the team. And a lot of times the team is not very, you almost sense that we don't want to be too personal with the patient or we don't want to be personal at all, Mm -hmm. but we do want to give them the best care. It's not because we don't want to know or we don't care or anything like that. It's more of we're just trying to see as many patients as possible and we would love to sit and talk about, you know, life circumstances. And if it if it's relevant to the case, then, of course, we talk about it. But like if it's just 
you know, just socializing in that sense. It's almost there's no time for it. And and I almost noticed like some of the residents and the attendings, when they do get into a conversation like that, they do kind of want to continue it, but they don't want to also impinge on the team's time as well. And so they almost kind of divert from it in a sense. And that kind of bugs me, to be honest, like me, I'm a person who really loves to take histories. I love to talk to my patient and get to know them very well, because that way I know kind of what is the life around them that's also impacted as well. Like, I always think about this. It's like as a med student, I'm going to keep those interactions to a minimum, unfortunately, just because like we were under supervision and sometimes you never know what might happen as well. Right. Like like you said, we don't want to impact our care and things like that. But at the same time, there's almost like, like stick with the script with almost. the script. Exactly. Yeah. And it's not nobody forces you to stick to that script, but it's just the way we're trained as well as the dynamic of the team that you're working on, the mm-hmm. dynamic of your supervisors. As med students, we sense the atmosphere a lot. You know, it's like, yes, we're talking to that patient, but we're also kind of looking over our shoulder all the time to see, OK, am I impinging too much on time? Am I taking too much time? I know a lot of my interns have given me feedback saying you let the patient talk a lot. That's why your histories take so long. And that kind of bugs me. But at the same time, because every patient interaction where I take a full history, I feel very fulfilled from it. And my patients feel very much like we're giving them attention as well. But, you know, it's not feasible to do an hour per patient, especially on like the wards or anything like that. In terms of being a medical student, it's kind of difficult to, you know, know assess that boundary, right? Yeah, like know know where your position is and where your space is. And I guess there's just so much evaluations on us that we're like, oh, we don't want to take too much time on the history to get to know a person Mm -hmm. and a patient and truly, Mm -hmm. you know, find that personal interaction with them. Right. Do you feel like when we do take all that time to really know the patient, do you think there's in ways we connect with them? Oh, absolutely. I've had interactions with patients where I've really sat down and got to know them and understand where they're coming from. Mm hmm. It's really interesting. Like I've I've had the craziest conversations with them as well. You know, one patient came up to me and um, was telling me how um, just as I was leaving, I guess he says, you know, you're just like us. And I'm like, what? Like who? And he says, you're just like us. Like you don't see many of us uh, in, in this field, but you're successful and I'm successful. And and he's I, he's he's up a Hispanic background is what he was telling me. OK. And he assumed I was Hispanic. Right. <laughs> and um, and I was like, yeah, I am, too. And I didn't tell him I wasn't Hispanic, but I could completely relate to what he was saying as an Arab American female. So I was like, yeah, I totally understand. And and those are the interactions you miss, especially when you're, you know, fast paced, trying to just get through patients. And I haven't been on psych yet. And I know psych is when you really when you really diverge into the very personal uh, matters of a person's life. I know yeah. in psych it's very heavy on that. Mm-hmm. I've only been on very physiologically heavy rotations. So it's like, oh, OK, that's great <laughs> about your life. But what's really happening is your heart's not pumping, you know. Have you in that sense ever connected with a patient where you felt like you could have been in their position? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I was on a service that is it's a it's a critical care service. Mm -hmm. um, And it was very difficult because a lot of the patients don't make it through in this service that I was on. And and this actually motivated me to actually pursue a new part of medicine, actually. And so what happened was. The family does not want to relieve care for this patient that's clearly not going to make it, whether we give him care or we don't. We had to have that very tough conversation and the family was saying, no, there's going to be a miracle. You know, we're good people. This patient's going to come back to us. And it was difficult to see doctors when they're under such heavy loads as in working in the critical care. They don't really have the time to sit down and truly understand these and, you know, and break up this 
situation and take it piece by piece to finally come to a solution. They don't have time to do this. And so they said, we're going to consult palliative care. Turns out palliative care is someone you consult when you need to have these heavy conversations about end of life or, and it's not always end of life. It's also how are, you know, what are the goals of care? What are we going to do next? Like, what do you want and how can we reach exactly, there? Exactly. And for me, it was really, it was really tough situation because we sat down with this family and the first thing the palliative care doctor said was, tell us who this person is to you. Tell us who this family member is. Mm-hmm. What do they like? What do they do? And as we started to get to know the patient, I almost was like, oh, my gosh, this is just like my uncles and my and my dad. Like they have the same hobbies. They're about the same age. At one point, the daughter was saying, please wake up so you can go back to your animals and feed your animals and things like that. And I just it really it got to me because I felt like this person sounds like my dad, to be honest, immigrated to the United States for better opportunities, built themselves here. At the same time, they have very much hobbies that you would still have back in in the home country, right? You know, farming and gardening and, you know, raising animals and all these things. And so when we dwelled into the personal life of this patient, um, at first I thought, like, this is torture. Like, why are we why are we doing this? You know, like, why are we bringing up this person's life when we're trying to have an end of life care discussion? And then it took a turn to say, now, knowing all these things about this patient, what would they want when it comes to this situation? And it turned out that this patient is a very free person. This patient does not like to be tied down. This patient doesn't like to be, you know, held up with tubes and all these things that to to prolong a life. This patient likes to be relaxed and be at home. And so that's when we got to the goals of cares. How can we get this patient home? How can we get this patient be comfortable at home in order to, you know, how do we take care of this patient till the end of when they need medical care? And I just love that. I love that this was a doctor that's dedicated to interacting and grabbing yeah. these personal experiences and then actually implementing them into healthcare. I was like, that's it. I have to be a palliative <laughs> care. I'm going to do a palliative care fellowship. You know? Yeah. If you were that doctor yeah. and you said you connected so much with this patient. Yeah. Do you feel like the way you would have cared for them would have changed? I think so, because I was working with the unit I was working with the team that cares more about the physiological and the infectious and the laboratory side of healthcare. And so for us, it was this patient's not going to make it. They're taking up our service. We need, we need this room. We need, you know, we need to move this service to someone who also needs it. And for me, it's like, Oh my gosh, like here we are rounding on this patient again and we're going through everything. There's no change, but we just can't do anything because the family does not want to relieve care, you know? Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's like, and I guess I never truly, I never thought like my care would change in like, I wanted to be more, I wanted to talk to the family and get more of an understanding at first. And this was before I knew what palliative care was. I just was rounding on the team and I thought, man, like there's clearly some discrepancy because the team is saying that this isn't going to work and the family's not, you know, talking. And so like, where are we disconnected? And so I kind of actually, I really hated those first couple days when I was there because I was like, this is dumb. Like we don't care about their personal lives. We don't care about you know yeah. who they are as people. We just care about their labs and they're taking up a room. And then that's when they told me about what palliative care was. And it was kind of sad because I feel like a lot of doctors are just going to end up, I shouldn't speak for them, but I feel like a lot of healthcare is going to end up saying, okay, we don't want to have this tough conversation diverge to palliative care. They're specialist in this, you know? And for me, I thought, oh no, like I don't want to be the doctor who diverges these things. I want to be that doctor who actually has these conversations. 
And the way the palliative care doctor talks was so mind-blowing. I think, Lean, you have a great point there because when I had this experience in psych where I was like, I'm connecting with this patient and I shouldn't be doing that because we're taught to be very objective. Right. You know, maybe that's not explicitly taught, but it's kind of the culture. Be an objective person. And I will say not only for medicine, but a lot of academic fields. And I'm doing hand quotations because, you know, it's all relative. Right. right. Any field where you're evaluating a person is always like societally or culturally. Right. Said, like you have to be tough in this field. You yes. Know? So at first I was like, oh, I shouldn't be feeling like this. Like I shouldn't have this connection with this patient because this is not good. And also on top of that, this patient was mentally ill. And that adds a whole nother layer of connotations right. that yes. how can a person who's going to be a physician have had these issues, right? And again, I want to say like, yeah, we've chose different paths, but still I could have been in that position. And then I sat down and I was like, but you know what? This is what makes me different than another person. I can tap into, I might not really feel exactly what that patient is feeling, but I understand them. I would know what I need to do to make them feel better or heal them in a sense. And I really like how you talked about this whole like connection you had with this patient, like thinking, oh, this could be my uncle. This could be my dad even, you know, and I think it's so important that it doesn't matter what field we're in, that those connections I think can be made. I think you do have to be conscious of them, that you're making those connections and make sure they, you know, you factor that into how you care for the patient. So you're not caring for them in a way that is detrimental to them. But it's those connections that also keep us going and being like, no, I feel like this could be the best thing for that person because I get them. Right. You know, you just get people sometimes. Yeah. And and I had one patient where I was interviewing and the patient and the wife look at me and they're like, you're really thorough. Like nobody's ever been this thorough with us. And I was like, oh, well, I'm I'm here to practice and I I like to be thorough. And I think it's those small moments Mm -hmm. that they'll remember. And I actually heard from one of the physicians I was working with. Um, They said something that I thought was really nice because they were like, I I like being at a teaching hospital because we have med students and residents and then there's us. And sometimes we can't spend all that time on our patients, but we love it when the med students do because, you know, they are getting us all the information that's important. And that 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 physician also made me feel valuable because they were they said your notes matter because you are getting more information than I ever will get. But I think there's a lot of demands of this job where you have so many things you have to do in so much less time. And I think it's just because of the way it's been structured that it does become difficult to make those connections. Actually, so referring to that patient where um, he said you were being really thorough, something really interesting came up with this whole personal experience where it's like, you know, I realized you can be personal, but there is a limit sometimes because it will affect care. What happened, like after I was talking to him and, and everything and he was telling me, he kept saying how I was going to be a great doctor. And it was interesting because he started, he kept telling me more and more about, you know, his life and things like that. And so as I started to know more about his life, it was very interesting to see how as a healthcare provider, as a medical student, he saw me as someone who he really thought could take care of his healthcare, and he trusted me in that aspect. And then as I got to know more about his like political views, 
kind of not really supportive of Arab American females. And that's kind of where I was like, well, that's where you have to draw kind of a line. And I started thinking about this more and more. And I was like, you know, I had this great interaction with this patient and I don't want to draw the line there. There will always be a line there that you just have to remember that the patient is the center of the universe in that room. And no matter what goes on, whether they say something you like or something you don't, you know, you got to continue to remember that it's their care you're here for. And so I think the idea I've had with personal, like getting close to patients is let them give and you take more. Does that make sense? So I wouldn't share as much, but I would take more from them as they shared with me. I think I think that's the key lean. I think the key is that every piece of information is important. And, you know, knowing that, knowing that I am connecting with this patient and it might help me, it might hurt me, yeah. but being aware of that is so, so important. Exactly. So I think that's one thing that I'm working on is every time I see a patient, like I also make connections with first generation Americans. If I see an Indian patient, <laughs> like you automatically make these connections, right? Yeah. And it I continually think, takes away the burnout as you go throughout the day too, yeah. you know? If you reach noon and you're like, oh, I'm so tired. And then you have a good experience and you're like, oh, I can keep going for another two hours, right. three hours. <laughs> So So even though like in the beginning of my psych rotation, that kind of scared me that my very first day, because I was like, oh, my God, I'm getting so involved. Mm -hmm. Um, Psychiatry actually turned out to be one of my favorite rotations because I was able to listen to a person's story fully and not internalize it to myself. Right. But look at it and view it and learn from it. Exactly. And I think that was a practice that came with time. And again, we were talking about sensitive topics Mm -hmm. and I got so comfortable having those conversations. And I was surprised by how my comfort translated to the patients and they were so open with what they said to me. And that's where I say that sometimes even that connection can be so powerful because it can give you information that you never would have gotten otherwise. Were you ever raised with the notion that Um, Like for me, uh, as I was growing up and I always said I wanted to be a a physician, everybody in my family, they would always say, oh, but you have to be tough. You have to be confident. You can't be nice in a sense. Like, you know what I'm saying? You have to be very rough. Did you ever get that feeling as you grew up from the people around you? Not from healthcare providers, but from your family, as in like what an image of a physician should be like. It's so funny that you bring this up. I always told myself, Harjeet, you have to be tough. You have to be rough because... My goal in life, and I've talked about this before, was to be a man. I was like, this is how I'm ever going to become a doctor is because people treat men like this. So I have to do this. I have to do this and I have to do this. But you know, that notion has changed a lot for me because my dream is not to be a man. My dream (laughs) as in that's not how I identify. I identify as a female and that's what I want to be. My dream is to be be a good doctor. Yes. And what I mean by being a good doctor is I want to do a good job with my mind and with synthesizing information and then giving it as an output. But I know for me to synthesize information, I need to know a person fully. And what that means is knowing everything as much as I can. I like that. Yeah. And that's where they say, you know, uh, doctors will get the diagnosis correct 80% of the time just from taking a very thorough history. 
Yeah. And that's that's where it comes through because lifestyle also kicks in and personal right. life kicks into that and right. And who they are and their hobbies and what they do in their life and, you know. And I think those connections also kind of are what has kept my dream alive as well because that was yeah. the whole reason I wanted to be a doctor is exactly. because I knew how much good health is important for me in my life and I know what an advantage you have if you're a healthy person. Like it's a privilege. And not everyone gets that. And yeah. if we can just help level out that field, that is a big accomplishment for me. Right. And what I've noticed is being on the wards and being in the clinic, it's usually the patients who come in with seemingly physiological problems that turn out to be more emotionally driven and lifestyle driven that always stump the doctors. In the end, as you talk to the patient, they'll say, yeah, I, I lost my job. And yeah. ever since, I just don't feel good inside. And that's pain for me everywhere, you know, and or something like that. Sometimes it's not that clear cut. It's never that clear cut, actually. But it's always those cases where there's an there's an emotional, a personal life component to it that always get us. And we and as doctors, we'll sit there on rounds and be like, what is going on? Yeah. So I think that emphasizes just how important it is for healthcare providers to implement personal interaction with the patients and truly understand what is the world around them like as well. Yeah. Because you're going to get so much more, you know, you can get 80% from them, but then the other 20% is going to be from the life around them as well. And maybe even more. I don't know. Statistics. Yeah, Lean, And I feel those connections are important, that those connections can be educational and just be aware of those connections. What is the main thing that I got out of, Absolutely. you know, my my interaction and my rotation and lean. I also had this other thought where um, I was thinking that, you know, sometimes it's inevitable, like we're we're humans. Right. And we tend to make connections to things we're social creatures right like there's no objective way yeah. of being like emotionless and that's just something that will always be there you know and i think that's where we have to also remember you know as a physician we're not treating the human body but the mind as well and that comes with its emotions and all the baggage along with that so it's critical it's critical to also engage with our patients and also lean i had this thought that you know we are human beings in the end of the day and we even though we are physicians we will always have emotions tied to almost every interaction we have and sometimes those will be stronger because we have a memory or a identity connected to that and in the end that's okay it's okay because we we too are humans we too are practicing we too are learning and that comes with the process. And when we are able to process it and understand where emotions can come from and how people can elicit these emotions, I think we can gain better connections to our patients as well. I love that. I love that. I'm so happy that we got to do this episode I know, together. I am too. Yeah. And we're happy that you are all listening in to our conversation. Um, we hope you will continue to listen into our conversations here on The Bundle of Hers. If you have any comments or any stories that you'd like to share with us, um, Instagram, Facebook, we now have a Twitter account going down. So we would love to hear from you there. Um, Our tag is at Bundle of Hers. And on Facebook, you can find us at, um, at Bundle of Hers podcast. And we would love to hear from you. So if you have any stories, anything you, you already can add, said, that. I know I'm just rambling. We're a mess. I'm using what Chloe told me to say, where she's like, just keep talking and talking. <laughs> 
us in the end. <laughs> cool. Okay, bye, y'all. Bye. <laughs>